Dave, listen, I have three daughters, and that's like asking me to pick which of my daughters I love the most. It really is. And just for the reasons you mentioned, I mean, the fact that we're still selling products that are very similar to what my grandfather used to start this company 102 years ago, I mean, that really means a lot to me. That was David Brand sharing the essence of his family company, Coast Knives and My Weird Fascination with Headlamps, today on the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. Welcome to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show, where you discover tips, tricks, and tools from the leading names in fly fishing today. Hey, how's it going today? Thanks for stopping by the Fly Fishing Show. If you get a chance, please head over to Instagram uh, and follow us at Wet Fly Swing. And you can also find us on any of the social uh, media apps out there. And leave a uh, lightning bolt uh, emoji if you get a chance. That way I'll know I can track you, uh, track you down and, uh, and say hey. Before we get started, let's hear from our sponsor. Togan's Fly Shop, providing superior products at an affordable price. An amazing resource for fly tying materials, tools, and fishing accessories. Since 2005, Togan's has been over-delivering on price, service, and passion. And now it's time to discover the Togan's buzz for yourself. Head over to wetflyswing.com slash Togans to get started today. You support this podcast by clicking over to take a look at Togans online. That's wetflyswing.com slash Togans, T-O-G-E-N-S. Togans. Uh, David Brands, third generation head man at Coast, is on the show to share his uh, powerful family story today. We find out how Coast uh, got started over 100 years ago selling knives with a focus on the fishing industry, then transitioned into LED technology, uh, leading the way there with some uh, pretty cool innovations. Lots of good stuff, lots of good stories from one of the companies that I love today. So without further ado, here is David Brands from CoastPortland.com. How's it going, David? Uh, great. How are you today, Dave? Good, good. Thanks for uh, taking a little time out of your, I'm sure, your busy schedule to uh, get on a podcast here. We, uh, I've been using uh, a, a number of your products over the years, and I'm always interested to, to reach out to companies that I kind of love and you know, share them with our audience. I'm sure there's some people that don't know about Coast and kind of some of the stuff you have going with your, your, your knives and lights and things like that. But um you know, I want to take us back because I love the stories and uh, maybe I know you've got a family history here. Can you just bring us back to uh, like the story just quickly to how Coast got going? I think it started with your grandpa, right? Absolutely. Uh, yes. Um, my grandfather moved to Portland, Oregon in 1915 from Minneapolis, Minnesota, and he was employed by a wholesale hardware company out of Minneapolis. And like a uh, typical wholesale hardware salesman in those days, he would carry around a big catalog of products and uh, call on hardware stores and sporting goods stores and sell them everything from hammers and nails to nuts and bolts to uh, fishing rods. Uh, and what, when he, uh, qu what he quickly learned about the Northwest is that there were two big industries here at that time. One was logging. And the second one was commercial fishing. And in those days, in the early 1900s, uh, particularly salmon fishing was a huge business out here, everywhere from Crescent City, California, north to the Canadian border. And uh, the, the places like Astoria, Crescent City, uh, Hoquiam, Aberdeen, Washington, uh, had canneries uh, along the waterfront. And... Uh, filleting salmon uh, and canning salmon is one of their big businesses. And my grandfather quickly learned that the uh, fillet knives that he had available to sell through his uh, hardware wholesaler were really not suited for salmon fishing and salmon filleting and, and canning because they were too, uh, they weren't strong enough and uh, there were a couple other problems. So he invented the first product for Coast which was a fillet knife with a thicker, heavier-duty blade, but more importantly, a spoon built into the back of the handle so that the uh, cannery workers could gut and clean the salmon with one tool instead of having to use two. And so he contracted with a local guy in Portland, went in business with a local guy, and started making the salmon fillet knives, which he invented, and would literally load them into his car 
and sell them right out of his car to the uh, uh, workers in the canneries up and down the West Coast. And he did that for a couple of years until it got to be enough of a business that he left his wholesale hardware company job in 1919 and started Coast Cutlery Company uh, in Portland. And uh, that's how we got started. There you go. And those, I, I was loving because I, I was doing a little bit of research. I saw that knife and it, it reminded me, I'm pretty sure, I, I'm not sure if there were some knockoffs, but I'm pretty sure I have that same knife. My grandpa, uh, similarly, back in the time, you know, he was a big fisherman and stuff like that. So was my dad. So I'll have to check that out. But I know the knife because it's got like a wooden handle, right? And it's yeah. got that. Yep. It's, uh, it, uh, very, it was, it's really what put Coast on the map. And then uh, immediately after that, he developed a product specifically for the loggers who were cutting these, of course, massive Douglas firs and, and redwood trees out here in those days. And he developed what's called a Scribner's knife, which actually isn't a knife. It's used to mark the trees that they're going to cut. And so that was the second product he made. And those two products not only kind of got the company started, but it really established the mission early on that we still have today. And that is that we develop products that make people's jobs safer and easier. Uh, and basically, you come up with a better solution for a product than, ex than currently exists. And that's how our business was started. And that's what we try to continue to do today. That's it. So basically, you know, and that's awesome to hear. I think I was going to ask you that, you know, just thinking about some questions uh, to dig into. And, you know, one of them is that kind of an obvious one on the business side is your target customer, because you have a lot of different products, different knives. But it sounds like you think of more more of this uh, B2B. Or, I mean, I know you do have tons of uh, just normal consumers, but who, who is that person? Who is your target customer? Well, you know, it's really interesting. It, it's changed a little bit over the years, of course, because the nature of people's work and the nature of, of people's recreation has changed a lot. But um, our, our primary target is people who need either a knife, a light, a multi-tool or safety products to make their work easier, their recreation easier and safer than other products on the market. So, uh, for instance, we do a very large business in, in uh, the professional trade category, plumbers, electricians, contractors, but also we do a very significant business in the outdoor recreation business, hunters, fishermen, campers. And it's interesting because even though there's obviously a lot of crossover between, you know, a, a guy who's a plumber during the day on weekends loves to hunt and fish and camp, right? But what's interesting is because of the way technology is developed and because of the way we think about product development, we... De we develop specific products for those for different uses. So it's not it's not necessarily that he uses the same coast product when he's working at his plumbing job that he does when he goes camping. But he's learned to trust coast that that we can do both for him safer and easier than anything else on the market. That's right. Okay. So yeah, there's tons of overlap, overlap there. And I'm similarly for me. You know, obviously hunting fishing is huge and. You know, I think I would like to dig in a little more to the knives and some of that history there because I have a knife here. I, I can't remember what model it is, but it's kind of like an everyday carry sort of thing. And um, But also headlamps. I'm kind of a headlamp freak. You know, I've always, I've been where, you know, like kind of using headlamps for, it seems like my, my whole life. But um, I'm just curious on the knife. So let's start there just a second. I mean, you have tons of models, right? And that's the, the question is like, if somebody's choosing a knife, I'm just curious, where do you, you know, if somebody has that question, like, what knife do I need? What, what do you tell them? Well, it's, uh, that's a really good question and one that we get a lot. And the way we, we try to break it down into a little bit of, of categories, but to simplify it, you know, knives are generally used in a couple of different instances. They're used as an everyday tool to cut, you know, anything from cardboard to wire strapping to, you know, you name it, Right. And those types of knives really take a beating and they need to be rugged and they need to last and they need to, you know, withstand a lot of use uh, that, you know, may or may not have been the intended use of a knife. Right. 
on the on on the other extreme, you get a a, a lot of uh, people that uh, want to buy that special knife for their you know annual or semi-annual or monthly you know hunting trip, and so they it's it's a little bit more of a specialty product that they want it to be, you know, just perfect for a particular use and for their particular, you know, hand and everything else. So there's really, um, you know, a multitude of different users. Uh, and so we try to make products that fit into both categories. So that the, the, like I said before, the same guy who may need his knife because he works in a warehouse and needs to cut cardboard packages uh, every day and, and strapping off of packages, he has a knife for that use. But then when he goes camping or hunting that weekend, uh, he has a different knife that's a little bit, uh, you know, more specialty perhaps and a little bit, you know, more of a premium knife that, that, that he just dearly loves. That's, that's kind of the extremes. Gotcha. Cool. Yeah. And I did see on there, I was just looking online. I think there was somebody that, that said, uh, there was some comment and they're like, man, I got this, um, this might've been an old comment, but he's, he's like, I got this great knife from coast for like $7. Right. It's like, <laughs> I, and I know you guys have some nice, they're like $10, but I mean, that seems amazing. Right. Cause there's tons of, uh, companies. I mean, and actually Portland and Oregon is a really hot spot for, you know, you got the, the Gerbers and leather. I mean, you got all these like, uh, like Portland or Oregon companies. So there's definitely lots of competition there, but you guys have, uh, like a knife you can get for ten dollars right i mean how, how do you how is that um i guess talk about that a little bit is that is that kind of where you guys are i mean you obviously have more expensive premium knives as well but talk about that lower end knife what do you get with that knife how is that different yeah I, I, quite quite honestly that's that's a little bit of an extreme we we really you know our bread and butter uh price points and and not in the knife category are really between 20 and 40 dollars we do have some that are a little bit less expensive for instance our uh double lock utility knives which are you know with replaceable uh razor blades that go in them uh that, that have a uh, patented second lock on them to make them safer to avoid accidents we make those to be a very affordable price because they're they're used so often and people, you know, uh, go through them pretty quickly. Uh, so we have some of those that are in the 10 to $12 retail price range. Um, but, but most of our knives, we do consider our knives a, a great value no matter uh, what the price they are. But most of, our, most of our knives are really in the 20 to $40 price range. And generally, the, the ones that are used more for everyday work tend to be on the you know lower price range and then the more premium knives that have you know maybe a little higher quality steel uh, a little bit a nicer different uh, handle material uh, those tend to be in the in the 35 to, to 40 dollar retail price range gotcha okay perfect that's yeah, and I don't want to dig in too deep to any of this. You know, if anybody has questions, I'll put a link out so they can reach out to you. And you mentioned um, you have an ask, uh, ask the president, right? A, a little uh, a, a link. Yeah, they could check in with you. So, um, but I did want to, I was curious. So let's go back. You know, we got the history. So your your grandfather started the company. I know your dad obviously was in the middle there. How did the transition go? You know, you start as a knife company and then eventually you get in. Now you've got these LED lights and everything. How did that transition go out of knives or, well, to, to expand? Well, it's a, a very good question, and, and I won't I won't bore you with the entire 102 year history, but it's kind of interesting to look at it in segments because uh, obviously uh, any company that's 102 years old really has to change with the times. You can't keep doing the same thing forever, or, or you you'll be non-existent. So my grandfather started by as I as I mentioned making specific knives for specific uses here in the Northwest. Uh, then very quickly, actually, after that, he expanded into quite a few other cutting products. He at, at one point we actually made uh, kitchen cutlery, we made scissors and and uh, shears, uh, both for a home as well as commercial use. Uh, and so we were really a cutlery company for about the first thirty years of the company's existence. 
then when my father got involved, uh, and then my grandfather went through a couple, you know, really interesting periods in history. Of course, he went through the Depression, uh, then uh, World War II started, and then uh, my father uh, was drafted and went to fight in World War II. And then when he came out of uh, the war uh, in the late 40s, uh, then he took over the company from my grandfather and that he's the, my, my father was really the first one to take a really small regional company and look to expand it more geographically. So rather than he, so he did develop a number of new products as well, but his, his focus was really to, you know, broaden our customer base expand our business geographically and take advantage of kind of the post-war boom uh, in terms of business and, and people coming back from the war and the economy really, uh, you know, starting to roll again. But even even with my father, he was a uh, pretty much kept at a cutlery company uh, until I got involved in the early 1980s. And then our first big innovation in the 1980s was we got into the multi-tool business along with, you know, some of the other companies that you mentioned. And uh, multi-tools became a very, very significant part of our business and uh, still is today. In fact, to your point, uh, at one point a couple of years ago, somebody did a, su a survey that said 90 5% of all multi-tools sold in the United States come from Portland, Oregon within about oh, wow. a 10-mile radius, which <laughs> is really remarkable when you think about it. I don't want to miss this because I'm curious. Why, this is a question that's always come up to me and people have asked, like, why is that? You know, why is, why is Portland, Oregon the multi-tool capital of the world? Well, the, the, well specifically the multi-tool capital, that's uh, kind of a separate question. You, you asked a little earlier, why, did all the, why are all these cutlery companies in, in Portland, Oregon, right? Well, e almost every one of them can somehow be traced to Coast Cutlery Company. Uh, in, and uh, there, there are a number of stories, but, you know, as in any successful company, people that work there sometimes think either they can do it better or they just want to be their own boss or whatever. So most of the other cutlery companies that started in, in Portland have some connection to Coast. Uh, now, as for the, for the multi-tool business, um, you know, at, at, during its peak, the multi-tools were made by, oh, probably 50 different manufacturers. Uh, it just so happened that after all of that shakeout, the only ones really still, you know, standing and still selling any quantity of multi-tools are located in Portland. That is a little bit, probably got a little, something to do with the fact that, you know, Leatherman and Coast and Gerber got into the business before pretty much everybody else. Um, but it also probably has to do as much with the kind of the longevity and consistency of, of, of the companies themselves. So, um, but it is very, it's very interesting that so, so many knives and multi-tools come from Portland. If you look back on it, you know, the secret to your success, right? I mean, you've got probably lots of companies that tried to copy you were there along the way and are gone now. I mean, you've been out, you guys have been going for a while. Is there one thing you attribute the, you know, your success to? Well, I think, yeah, there, I think there are a couple things. First of all, you know, it's unusual for a company to be owned by one family for 102 years. And so when it's, when you own a family company, you have a much higher level of responsibility than you do if you just work for a company or you're a public owned company or you're a division of a, of a larger corporation. And, and it, that permeates really all the way through the company. Not only, obviously, is it my family's livelihood, but we, I take every decision we make personally in, in the terms of the people we hire, you know, whenever we have to make changes to the business, you just, there's just a heightened sense of responsibility and, um, you know, effort that it takes to run a family business. And I think that that consistency really pays off. I think also the fact that ever since my grandfather started, we have really been a customer-oriented company. We put our customers above all else and do whatever we can to take care of them. 
And through good times and bad times, through uh, depressions and pandemics, uh, that has really helped us that because our, cu our customers trust us, they, they know we will do what we say we'll do. And that has really, you know, uh, helped us through, through all kinds of uh, ups and downs in 102 years. Yeah, that's amazing. No, I think that's the trust is obviously the biggest thing. You know, I mean, you can't have a business, a successful business without, you know, that your your folks trusting you. So that's that's cool. Um, well, let me we si I sidetracked you for a little bit. So let's get back on the topic. I'm curious, you know, I guess maybe take us back into the uh, we were kind of on that track of talking about the lights. Right. How right. That kinda, yeah. Right. So so maybe you could step us back to wherever I cut you off. Sure. So, so in the early 1990s, um, I discovered uh, LED technology. And in, in the 1990s, LEDs were, I mean, very few people had heard of them. Very few people knew what they were. Very few people knew what they did. Uh, and of course, they're not nearly as sophisticated as they are now. But the, the, the thing that really intrigued me about LEDs were that they used a lot less energy than traditional incandescent bulbs, and they were virtually indestructible. You could, they wouldn't break. You could put them in water. So they had a lot of really um, promising uh, attributes that would fit in an outdoor environment, right? And they weren't as fragile as typical incandescent bulb flashlights. And we, we had been, we were in the flashlight business, though, though not, it wasn't a big part of our business at that time. So I sat down and I tried to figure out how you could use these LEDs to make portable lighting. And Originally, LEDs did not put out very much light at all. In fact, it's, it's almost laughable how, how um, little light they put out compared to what they do now. But in uh, the late 19, uh, about 1996, we developed an LED product that was basically a small folding knife with an LED light in the handle that you activated with a little push button on the side. And of course, it didn't put out very much light and we and we sold it as a keychain almost novelty. But we sold it to one of our better customers and they sold 250,000 pieces in one year, which Jeez. was remarkable. And so that really of course got my attention. And then I started playing around with what would happen if you clustered a lot of these LEDs together? Could you get enough light to really make it a decent flashlight? And so back in the late 1990s, and actually right about the year 2000, we designed and built a, an LED flashlight that had three LEDs in the head of it. And uh, it put out a whopping 20 lumens of light, <laughs> which now today sounds laughable. But the fact is that the battery life on these on this uh, product was hundreds of hours on one set of batteries. And the product was virtually indestructible. In fact, we would go to trade shows and throw them on the ground and, you know, try to dare people to try to, to break them. And, of course, they couldn't do it. So that was our first introduction into the LED lighting business. And it's we're pretty sure uh, that that product was the first LED flashlight ever sold in the United States. So from there, we just began a long series of exploration and product development that used LEDs. And then as LEDs improved, our products, you know, would improve right along with them. So um, we got to know every LED manufacturer in the world, and it became obvious to us that LEDs were going to get more powerful uh, every 12 to 18 months. And so we just set out a course to follow that trend and adapt those new LEDs to lighting products that we thought would be revolutionary in the portable lighting business. And in fact, they turned out to be. 
Wow. Yeah. And I didn't realize that back in, I try to think now 2000, it seems like, like I said, for me, I've just been wearing a headlamp on my head for my whole life. But yeah, I guess there was a time, like you're saying, so in the nineties, in the early nineties, there, there weren't any LED. I mean, there, there were headlamps, but they weren't the LED technology. No, they're big, bulky, and they used, you know, uh, alkaline batteries. And they were, yeah, they were, uh, they really, it wasn't much, the headlamp business was almost non-existent in those days, except for coal miners. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And now it's obviously, like you said, the three, the three uh, LED is just so standard with, you know, I mean, like in the same thing with the knives, right? You got the Gerbers and all those companies. You've also got the Petzels and the Black. I mean, I mean, everybody, mm-hmm. it's a huge market now. I mean, you probably yeah. name I mean, how many knockoffs, right? Are the thousands, <laughs> I'm sure, of companies that are doing this now. Yeah. And one of one of the missions of our company is also that we we always try to have some technological advantage to our products that differentiate them from something else in the market. So, for instance, in in knives, which most people would say is really hard to differentiate yourself because there's not a lot new, right? Well, we patented a, a double locking technology that you you add to a traditional folding uh, liner lock knife, which gives you a second level of safety by locking the blade twice. So, if the liner lock fails, the secondary lock still holds the blade in place, which really reduces the number of, of accidents with knives. And then in, in lighting, uh, our probably our biggest technological breakthrough was in uh, the mid-2000s when we uh, patented uh, optics specifically for LEDs, which created uh, bigger brighter, more consistent beams of light than any flashlight that had ever been produced. So uh, our, the light beam, the, the lights that we produce, they focus so you can get a long distance spot beam and a big, beautiful, consistent flood beam in the same product. Uh, that was really uh, a breakthrough technology and, and really differentiated us from uh, and still does today pretty much to anybody on the market that when you compare the beams in our products, they really put out uh, brighter, bigger, more consistent light than than pretty much anything else on the market. Yeah. And like, like, you know, all the features, right? The red lights are, are pretty popular and multi. I mean, you got some of these things that there's all sorts. I mean, there's like, I don't know how many features are on these these lights now, but right. It's it's kind of it's pretty amazing. And again, the, the, the interesting thing is that because of technology, um, we are able to design specific products for specific uses. For instance, we, divide, we designed our first optic, which created a big, beautiful flood beam and a real tight spot beam. Well, we also know that a lot of people do use lights to do really up close work, including, you know, a fly fisherman, right? They, if you're fly, if you're tying a fly, you know, you don't need really bright light. What you need is a really nice light beam to use up close. So we developed what we call our inspection beam, which gives you, it, it really looks like a full moon and just gives you this beautiful, consistent beam of light up close that allows you to do anything from work on a computer to tie a fly, uh, you know, you name it. And so we've been, been able to apply the technologies that we've developed to specific uses for people uh, so that each time they need a light, we have the right light for that particular use. Where do you find that inspection beam light? Is that on a lot of lights or is there one light that has that? Well, it's on four or five different styles. Mostly they're on very small pen style lights that you can just put in your pocket um, because they're used a lot. So not a headlamp. Yeah. And we also use them on headlamps. So for instance, if you're working, you know, again, if you're a a fly fisherman and you want to get your uh, uh, flies tied, you know, and the light's not good yet, then you use one of our inspection beam headlamps uh, and gives you a beautiful lighted work area to to do your work. So uh, they really have a lot of applications. And then, of course, if you need a, if you're walking to the, to the river, and it's not quite uh, light yet, you know, you've got your headlamp and you can then focus it and put on the long distance spot beam so you can see down the trail and see where you're going. Um, So, you know, we have a lot of products that are designed by 
the the users. I mean, we have three or four guys on our staff who are avid uh, fly fishermen who <laughs> have uh, lots of product ideas. Believe me. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll, I'll try to put a link to one of those lights that has the uh, the the technology you're talking about there in the show notes. Yeah. The, the G20 is our actually is our most popular. Uh, it has a beautiful little inspection beam uh, and it fits nicely in your pocket. It's just great. Oh, perfect. Okay, good. And I was just curious, you know, we're talking about knives and we're talking about headlamps. I, I'm just curious for you, obviously, you know, I guess you were there when the the, um, the new technology with lighting, and I'm sure you were a big part of that, or maybe the main part of that. But, um, you know, say you have to pick right now. So you got Coast, you got all this stuff going, you got to choose knives, you're selling knives or you're selling lights, which, which one are you going with? Dave, listen, I have three daughters and that's like asking me to pick which, which of my daughters I love the most. It really is. No kidding. Is it that hard? It is really that hard. And, and, and just for the reasons you mentioned, I mean, the fact that, that we're still selling products that are very similar to what my grandfather used to start this company 102 years ago. I mean, that really means a lot to me. On the other hand, um, we you know, I was the one who got us into the LED lighting business. And um, it, it is, you know, it, it, I, I think it's safe to say that the LED lighting has transformed a category just like computers and cell phones, you know, transform their category. So to be a part of that is really exciting and, and really means a lot to me as well. And it, it is kind of interesting sometimes that, that in, in a way we're almost – two different companies that, you know, we have this rich, rich tradition of very traditional products. And then we have some of the newest cutting edge technology in a category that is, you know, exploding. Uh, so, but we try to, you know, respect both parts of the business and we try to apply what we learn in each sides of those business to, to the other. So it's really, it's really fun. It's challenging, but it's fun. Let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. Togan's Fly Shop, providing superior quality products at an affordable price, an amazing resource for fly tying materials, tools, and fly fishing accessories. Togan's has you covered when looking for unique in-house products, but also supports and supplies materials and tools from other leading fly brands you know and trust. Togan's is now offering their mystery fly tying box where they simplify the process for you in choosing materials. You're only one click away from these hand-picked subscription tying boxes that are packed with value at almost half the cost. And I recently made a order through Togans, and the experience was perfect. After a uh, recent trip uh, nipping for trout, I had to replace my tungsten beads and some jig hooks and a few other items. The products arrived in a couple of days from Togans with a nice little card, a bonus value, and a welcome note from the Togans family. Since 2005, Togans has been over-delivering on price and customer service, so it's time to discover for yourself what the buzz is all about. Head over to wetflyswing.com Togans and take a look at their diverse selection of products today. You can support this podcast by clicking over to take a look at Togans online. That's wetflyswing.com T-O-G-E-N-S. Togans. Okay, now back to the show. We've had obviously a number of fly fishing, uh, you know, uh, well, founders, executives, you know, things like that. And Orvis is a big fly fishing company, like si similar to you guys. You know, they've been around a long time. It's a family business, yeah. and they're just a really great, great company. company. And um, and I asked the uh, a past CEO on a past episode. I'll put a link in the show notes to that. Uh, Perk Perkins, you know, about the products, right? Like, how do you? And, and he gets into that. And it's really interesting because you know they've they've. They do everything, but they've kind of narrowed it down a little bit, right? Trying to focus mm -hmm. things. And for you guys, right. I mean, obviously you've got knives, uh, knives, you've got uh, lights, you've got some other, I mean, what other, as you look into the future, I mean, do you, I know, you know, not, without giving away secrets, I mean, how do you focus on what's next? Well, first of all, we're fortunate in that um, the technology of lighting is still evolving and uh, we are constantly finding and discovering uh, new ways to power lighting, uh, new ways to shape light, uh, new uses for uh, smaller, more efficient lighting. Uh, just you know, one example, for instance, which is a little bit removed from the outdoor category, but 
we also make work lights for people using on job sites and, and things like that, places like that. And uh, we have basically been able to replace the traditional old, really hot halogen work lights that you plugged in and, you know, they were easily breakable. They were very dangerous. We've replaced those now with LED work lights, which are half or a third of the size. They put out more light and they put out better light and they're safer than that those traditional work lights. So there's another example of where we've been able to apply our technology to a category that makes people's work safer and easier. Uh, so, you know, that's a good example. Then on the kind of on the other extreme, because um, LEDs still don't require uh, as much power as tr uh, old incandescent lights, we make very, very small like clip-on lights, for instance, that fishermen can clip onto their vest and uh, they have both hands free. They can focus the light. They can dim it. They can put it any light level they want if they're working up close, you know, uh, or if they need to see down the trail. So there's all kinds of new developments coming out that help us create even better products for specific uses. And then, of course, the fact is now a lot of things are moving towards rechargeable battery technology. And uh, that's another entire new wave for us where we're, we came out with, we have the only technology on the market that you can power our products with either a rechargeable lithium battery or use alkaline batteries. So you never have to worry about being without your light. If you're out on a camping trip, and you don't have access to charge the product, all you got to do is slip in a couple uh, AA batteries and you're good to go. So it kind of takes away that, that fear of, oh my gosh, if I have a rechargeable uh, product but I can't charge it, what happens? We, we eliminate that problem. On the other hand, if you use it as a rechargeable, you can save the cost and, and the disposal of all of those alkaline batteries. So it's really the best of both worlds. Exactly. And um yeah, I, I'm interested. I mean, there's so many topics here. I mean, batteries and, and it's disposal and things like that. I'm curious on that. I was just thinking, you know, I have a, uh, I can't even think of the name of the, the company, but, you know, like a portable, right? Rechargeable. You, you got your thing. Everybody's got a phone now. So, you know, if you're out, mm -hmm. you know, on a trip, you, you probably have your phone and you can charge it now. I mean, a headlamp, is the technology almost there where you've got these headlamps where literally you just don't need, I mean, you could just set it out in the sun and it charges for the night or is that not quite there yet? Well, we're, yeah, we're working on that, but. Or is that, that's one of those things that's. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, I'll, well, that's really probably not a secret. There's a lot of people working on that, but the, the real, the key there is uh, it's all about the solar technology and whether, you know, right now to, to have the, the, the solar technology needed to power the headlamp, the, the solar panel is, is 10 times bigger than the headlamp. So it's it's not real practical yet, but but that's that's one direction clearly that there'll be a breakthrough there in the next few years. Um, you know the the other things are you know fast charging and long charging. One one of the things that about our products is that we have different modes in our lights. So for instance, uh, headlamps is a great example. We have headlamps that when they're fully charged, they'll last up to ten days. Uh, of use on one charge if you put them in the energy saving mode, which is, is frankly is adequate for 90% of, of what you need a headlamp for. So there's, there's a lot of technology that's being developed that kind of solves some of those, you know, questions that you just brought up is, you know, when do you, when do you feel really comfortable taking a rechargeable product? Yeah, that's the, no, and I think you guys are hitting on it. I mean, that that's the problem with the old rechargeable is that you're, yeah, you don't want to get stuck. And then, but I love the fact that you, you've got the alkaline battery interchangeably. Um, it, it just was going to know you got me, you know, battery and we're not going to have time to dig into the battery technology, but we had a, one of our sponsors this last year is Turtle Box Audio. And it was really interesting. I'll put a link to that show. He talked about um, in that episode how their technology to their batteries, because literally when I first used their their product, which is a portable radio, um, you know, audio speaker, I literally never charged it 
for like months. And I asked them, I said, so what's the deal with your battery? Like, it seems like you don't even have to charge it. And basically they use a similar technology like Tesla uses, you mm-hmm. know, the, the car, it's a similar battery. Like, and I'm not sure if that's something you guys have dug, if there's any overlap there. Have you heard about that? I mean, obviously, you know, I'm sure know about the Tesla technology. Yeah. Well, yes. In fact, you know, in fact, the one of the main batteries that we use in our rechargeable product is the same battery that they use in Tesla's, except that in Tesla's, they use hundreds of them packed together. And we, we obviously don't need that many. Um, but the, uh, but you, you've hit on a, a very important thing is there, there not, there's not only, there's a lot of different battery technologies being worked on. And the other thing that you may see in the future is, you know, right now there's, there's still, pretty much everybody is working on batteries that provide you more power in a smaller, you know, size, right? Which is, which is great. But there's all, there's always limitations to those. Some of them are environmental limitations. Uh, you know, other, some of them are materials limitations because some of those like Tesla batteries, you know, they require some very, um, high levels of very rare materials. Um, you know, and that can, could be an issue sometime down the road. But there are other types of batteries being developed that use different chemical makeups, which, uh, you know, might solve some of those issues. So it's a certainly an area to, that we're keeping an eye on. We have, a, in fact, a whole team uh, that works just on that particular component and area of our products. Do you guys still do, uh, you know, on the knives, do you still do, like, do you have like a fillet knife that's similar to that old, that original one? Well, in fact, we, we brought back my uh, grandfather's original uh, salmon fillet knife for our 100th anniversary. And, and so we still we still have that available. Yeah. Nice. OK, I might have to pick that if I I'll talk to my dad later. I'll see if he has that. If not, I might have to pick up one of those. Uh... Yeah. Yeah. We'd be happy. We'll be happy to see that you get one. OK. OK. Um, yeah, it's, and that's the cool thing about coast, I think, is that, again, you guys offer a, a really quality product, you know, and and. But it's a reasonable price, right? You're not going to, I'm not even sure what the price point is on that, but I, you know what I mean? It's not, you're not going to pay hundreds of dollars for necessarily some stuff. Um, yeah, we, it's, it's probably, you know, people have say that, say that a lot about us, that our, they really feel that our products are not only technologically advanced, but they're very, you know, fairly priced and they're um, really uh, a good value for the money. And I think, again, that gets back to kind of that family company attitude. You know, I know my grandfather, when he was making uh, salmon fillet knives and Scribner's knives for fishermen and for loggers, you know, in those days, the, the, the worker had to buy the products themselves and they would go through those salmon fillet knives, you know, quite a bit, right? They, they, they needed, you know, three or four of them a year, maybe. Uh, and my, my grandfather and my father after him were always very conscious of providing products that the everyday working man and woman could afford rather than, you know, creating some, and I'm not trying to, you know, point the finger at other people, but not creating just premium products that you could only afford once in your lifetime, but products that you could trust that would work, that were backed by a lifetime warranty like ours are, and that everyday working men and women could afford to use either on the job or when they went fishing or hunting or whatever. And it's, it's interesting that how much that kind of um, uh, methodology has really resonated and continued uh, even to this day, that we really try to, to create products that are uh, priced fairly and that will, are built to last. Yeah, no, I, I think it resonates with, I'm sure a lot of people listening here, the price point is an interesting conversation because, you know, and, and we deal with that too with, you know, with the stuff we do with our sponsors because I'm always thinking, okay, you know, I want to provide basically an experience where when, the, you know, when we work with our, you know, with, with our clients, it's like, it's a no brainer, you know, it just feels like it's not an, it's not an overcharge. It's not a thing that's like, it's just a, it's a no brainer that these folks are going to want to come back and work with us. And for you, I'm not sure where I landed to your knife that first time, but I think it started with the price point. I was like, oh, wow. I can't remember what it was. Um, again, you know what I'll do? I'm going to pull it out. This is, this will be fun, fun radio stuff here. Let's see if I can find it. It's, um. I think it was the, it's a little bit of the heavier duty one. It's, uh, yeah, I got it right here. And you know what the cool thing about this is, David? It's got that locking, the secondary locking feature. Oh, you great. Yeah. Which yeah. is the one thing I remember when I did it because I never had, I had some, a lot of knives that never had that. And, uh, yeah, and it's the, um, 
Yeah, just the RX 300. Oh, yeah, it's a great knife. Yeah. It's RX, you know, it's heavy duty. It's, but I remember when that locking feature, I didn't even know what it was. And I put it in, I was like, man, that's sweet because I have kids. And the funny thing about my kids, they're seven and nine, but they've been using knives since they were probably like, like three <laughs> years old. You know what I mean? And, yeah. uh, and we taught them well. We, you know, we were like, okay, you know, about safety and stuff. But um, so, anyways, so you could check out that. One of the other cool things about having a family company is um, we, speaking of people that have knives a long time, I mean, virtually every month or two, we'll have somebody who will call us or email us and show us a picture of a knife that he found. For instance, just the other day, a guy found a knife when he was cleaning out his grandfather's attic who had just passed away. And it was a beautiful old coast knife, but it had been, you know, it had seen its better days, right? And he asked me if there was anything we could do with it. And I said, well, I'll tell you what, you send it to us and we'll have one of our uh, knife experts fix it for you because we have a couple people on staff who can repair knives and and he sent it to us we fixed it up we sent it back to him it, it doesn't look brand new but it looks really good and you know he wouldn't have parted with that knife for thousands of dollars it meant that much to him and uh that's the kind of thing that you know the kind of effort that we'll go to that frankly not a lot of other companies would do but but it just shows you that family connection still runs really deep after 102 years that's it. Yeah, that's and that's the service. That's cool. I well, David, I think uh, just a couple. Maybe we can uh, take this out of here. A quick little rapid fire round. I had a few questions for you. These are just some. Sure. Uh, yeah, it's just some general stuff that um, you know. I think probably things you've been asked many times before. Um, but let's start out just the top. You know, we have a lot of definitely there's companies, there's brands, there's people that are listening here. I'm curious if you were to give somebody, say, just a little tip to help maybe them in their in their business. I mean, what what do you because obviously you guys have been successful, you've been you've stuck around. Is there one thing you kind of looking back that you might, you know, give that person today? Yeah, I think that um, the it's maybe sound a little too simple, but if, if there's something that you really like to do and 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 you can figure out a better and easier way to do it, whether it's fishing, hunting, camping, uh, plumbing, you name it. If there's something that you can identify that you think you could do better or build something that did something better, go for it. Because it's amazing to me how many product, how many times you'll see a product on the market that you look at it and you say, Gosh, why didn't somebody else think of that? Well, the fact is maybe somebody did, but they just didn't have the either the courage or, you know, the wherewithal to to try it. And the other thing is in this day and age, it's easier than ever to try to develop a product and sell it because of the internet. And, you know, t- 10, 20 years ago, you were at the mercy of big companies like Walmart and, you know, you know, Cabela's, you name it, right? But now if you have a good idea and you can build it, you can market it yourself. And so that that's would be my advice is find find a solution to a problem that needs a solution and develop a product to, to do it better. Yep. That's that's an awesome tip. Yeah, and it's a great time. It's a cool time we live in now. I mean the uh, I'm not sure how you it sounds like you look at it positively, right? I mean, you've got these tons of these small little, you know, some sometimes it's one person, sometimes it's more. But, you know, I'm sure there's lots of, you know, new companies you've seen in the knife business, right? Or in the light business. Oh, Do you, absolutely. And when you see, when you see those, you just kind of think that's that's just healthy competition, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And I, you know, I, and I take my hat off to some of them. I think some, you know, people you see really interesting good ideas all the time. And it's, uh, I think we're in a, we're in a phase right now of business that is more creative than, uh, I've seen maybe in my entire career. It's pretty, uh, that's pretty powerful. Really. Um, well, I, and I was just, I love digging in a little bit on the music or the podcast, because I'm not sure if you're much of a music fan or a podcast. Do you listen to any podcasts or are you more podcasting or more music? How I built this, right? That's the oh, there you go. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's a terrific uh, one of my favorites. There you go. So I was just gonna say, so if you had to pick one, so how I built it, and that is, yeah, I, I think that's uh, Guy Raz, right? Yeah, yeah. There you go. There you go. Awesome. Um, well, and I, as we take this out of here, just looking ahead, we talked a little bit about just touching on the surface, but you know, 
new products, new things coming. Anything you want to give a shout out in the next, you know, say six months or a year that's kind of we can expect uh, for, you know, coming up for you guys to give, give us a little uh, surprise? Yes, I think that um, people should pay attention to our website because within the next few months, you'll see some really exciting new uh, LED lighting products geared even more specifically towards the outdoor user uh, than our current products. And they'll have some features uh, and some benefits that will be, uh, we think, revolutionary in, in the outdoor market. There you go. That's uh, that's the perfect little <laughs> sweetener. So this will be, I'm excited already. Uh, okay, I'll put a link out to, uh, obviously, to uh, the, your website so people can check that out. And th- this will probably be going out in a couple months. So we'll be a little bit closer to that, um, Great. that period. Yeah, Great. this is awesome. I, and I think it sounds like you guys are, like you said, you're kind of almost equal amounts. You got the uh, kind of the blue collar, you know, people working out there, but also, I mean, would you say it, it is kind of an equal for, versus that in the outdoor space? It's it is pretty equal. Fr- frankly, it's probably a little. Well, of course, as I said before, there's a lot of crossover, so it's really yeah. impossible right. to know. But if it's you a- look at where our products are sold, yeah, it's pretty equal. All right, David. Well, hey, I just want to say thanks for um, you know producing the great products. Like I said, you know, kind of my knife and some of the lights and stuff I've had over the years. I'm excited to keep in touch with you and uh, and looking forward to share the story. And, uh, and we'll talk to you soon. Good. Well, thanks. And the one last thing I want to leave you with is the good news about Coast is, and people ask me this all the time, is, you know, is there going to be a fourth generation? And I'm glad to say that we do have a fourth generation in the company. So we're planning on another 102 years. So. Oh, wow. No kidding. I don't know if you'll be around then, Dave, but somebody will be. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, they, so so fourth generation, that's amazing. Okay, well, maybe we'll, we'll save that to the next one uh, to see uh, when we get to that point. We'll, we'll bring on the fourth generation if they're up to that Great. point. We'll go from there. Okay. All right, Dave, we'll talk to you soon. Nice talking to you. Thanks. Bye. So there you go. If you've been enjoying this podcast and want to share it out, that would be much appreciated. Um, you could also leave a uh, five-star review at wetflyswing.com slash love. That'll uh, give you a quick little place to uh, whatever app you're on. It'll help you easily share it over there. Um, want to thank you in advance for sticking around today. We had a great episode with another uh, really cool company, Coast. I've got, uh, I've always got their knife in my uh, <laughs> in my pocket, or if not in the pocket, in the car or the boat. Uh, so hope you have a chance to uh, to maybe get out and check them out, see what they have going. If you need a new headlamp or knife. Uh, If you have a product uh, that you really love, maybe a knife company or somebody you'd love me to dig into and you want to hear that story, uh, send me a message, uh, dave at wetflyswing.com. I'd love to uh, maybe bring them on as we continue to dig into our outdoor products uh, that are focused on that big trip we're planning for. We're thinking of going down, say, some crazy trip up to Alaska. That's our focus, some Alaskan trip. What is all the gear you need for that trip to uh, stay comfortable? Um, that's kind of the focus I'm thinking of right now. I'll definitely have at least one, probably two pocket knives, one to have with me and one as a backup. So there you go. That's it. That's a wrap. That's all I have for you today. Thank you again for the support and for sharing us out on social media. If you get a chance, talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. For notes and links from this episode, visit wetflyswing.com.